everyone, and welcome to Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style? Oh, I love that. I love that. After a week gone, I am Jay Pfeiffer. You can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter. You can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCFCHI. All right, you can follow me. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter, at Keenan underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow yours truly, Sid the Kid, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. And you can download this broadcast along with all of all the broadcasts, part of the We Are Rico Radio family, wherever you get your uh, podcast platforms. And we're on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app. Type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. You can get this lovely program along with our other content from We Are Regal Radio as well. All right. that are the, Those are the introductions. Again, this is Second City Sports Zoom style. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today, of course. Uh, we're going to start in the NBA, though, where, of course, if you weren't watching, you were probably under a rock somewhere. I'm sure you, if you follow Twitter or Instagram, though, you saw the reactions afterwards. Of course, I'm going to start with the game of the playoffs so far, uh, game of the season, of this bubble season so far anyway, in my opinion. Game four between the Dallas Mavericks and the L.A. Clippers was an instant classic. Of course, the ending was so much better. Luka Doncic with the step-back three to end it and win it for the Mavericks. We have a series tied at 2-2, best out of three on a neutral court. Uh, the question I want to start off, well, I guess I want to get you guys' reaction to the game first, but the question I want to start off with you guys is, are the L.A. Clippers, which is a lot of people's favorites to actually win the title this year, are they in trouble? Sid, I'll start with you. I think they are because, uh, of course, uh, starting start off yesterday's game, they uh, started off hot, and then Dallas uh, came back, actually led by double ditches, and then, of course, the Clippers fought all the way back, but... To me, what's troubling about the Clippers is uh, they're inconsistent. I know they used the eight games in the bubble to get themselves ready for moments like this, but uh, them coming out of the game has been a problem in this series. And I said this a couple weeks ago on this broadcast, on this show, that the Clippers would win this series in six because we all knew what Luka Doncic is, and I think he's going to be a better player moving forward. He was going to have these moments. Game one, Dallas lost, but he had 42 points. Dallas came back and, and won game two. Now, yesterday, let's be honest, Dallas should have won that game in regulation. Right. But they were lucky in overtime, and Lou Williams missed the free throw, uh, which essentially would have won it for the Clippers in regulation. But in overtime, Dallas were, were the better team. And uh, I, I watched this breakdown on television on Sunday. Uh, when Luka Doncic received the ball off the inbounds pass, Kawhi Leonard was, was supposed to switch and defend him. That didn't yep. happen. Reggie Jackson got caught up defending Luka Doncic, and yep. Doncic just had room to operate. So, but with that being said, yeah. So with that being said, I still had the Clippers in six. I'm sticking with that. They should be able to win these next two games to close it out. Is it? But does anybody know where Paul George is? Anybody? Anybody know where he is? Does anybody know? No, where I, I, I mean, I know where he, I know where he is. I bet you. <laughs> Anybody see them? I mean, is there like a missing persons, you know, report out? Yeah, he's on the court, but he's in my in terms of oh, a, oh. a stat sheet. Oh, my gosh. I got something to say about that, but I want to let you finish, Lakina. Okay. Well, okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, 10 for 47, these these playoffs, you know, so far, I mean, 
that's not going to do it for you. That's not, if you're trying to, look, I understand that people have the Clippers challenging the Lakers for the Western Conference spot for, for the NBA Finals, but you, you can't afford to shoot like that and expect to be right there in contention if you're trying to reach a championship. You just can't do it. Look, look, I give Luca all the credit in the world and that Mavs team. You know, Seth Curry has been doing very well. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been stepping it up. Um, and the, the, they, they, they've been shorthanded, actually, because yep. you know, Porzingis yep. was out mm-hmm. last game, and they didn't have Luca for, like, a lot of that second half in game three. But the fact that they've been able to stay with the Clippers and the fact that they've been able to kind of pull, you know, you know, be right there for all – most at least three of the four games, I think, just shows you a testament to that team. But you're when you're up 21 points in the first half, going in starting the third quarter, you got to go for a knockout punch. Mm-hmm. Clippers had a chance to end that series, perhaps maybe put a you know put a nail in the coffin. They didn't do it, and unfortunately, you're going to be kicking yourself. They all everyone's to blame, you know. PG not shooting well. Doc Rivers, you know he to his credit though, because he's been doing this a long time now. He's been able to say, you know what, I, it's my fault. I should have, you know. I should have, you know, switched the defenses on Luca a little bit later on, so maybe he wouldn't have gotten that shot off. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But, look, I also had Clippers in six, too, so I'm sticking with that, and I'm sure the Clippers will wake up and hopefully PG wakes up as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 I full well believe the Clippers are in trouble. I'm not saying they're going to lose the series, but I originally had this in six games as well, Lakina, and I, I, I think it's going seven especially if you're the Mavericks and you win without Kristaps Porzingis, uh, that, that, to me, at least I would think, would instill a ton of confidence in that team. Not that Luka Doncic needs any more confidence builders. I mean, you, you guys know how I feel about this guy, Lakina. I was late on him. You know, I'll admit it every time. But he makes the game look so easy. It's, it's something that I really haven't seen before, even when LeBron first came into the league. I don't recall him making the game look this easy. And it's, it's just really a testament to his maturity level, and, and not just his skill level, but his maturity level, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's, it's a 40-point triple-double. It's, it's not a hollow triple-double, not to say that triple-doubles are hollow, but, but some of them hold more weight than others, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I just I can't say enough about uh, the, the resiliency that the Mavericks showed because, again, like I said, Luke Christophe Porzingis is a late scratch. You don't know if he's going to be available for game five. And uh, you just come out with a mammoth effort. And, um, you know, you're even getting con- contributions from Boban Marjanovic, Lakina, and he's, yep. he's giving you some solid minutes sometimes as, as a big man. So uh, you're seeing a lot of these guys come together. Uh, obviously, Rick Carlisle is a hell of a coach. He's a champion coach already. Um, I think he has a lot to do um, with, with how this series is playing out. And, Sid, you made a great point. Why Kawhi switched off of Luka on that last play, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, but it, it is what it is, and, you know, now we're tied uh, at 2-2. And um, to get to my favorite, one of my favorite players that I love to talk about, Mr. Paul George. I know exactly <laughs> where he is. He's nowhere to be found, guys. And the fact that you kind of seem surprised by this is, is, is making me surprised because he now has a track record of not showing up in the playoffs. It doesn't matter what team he's on. He's starting to get a reputation as a choker here. Like you said, Lakina, he's 10 for 47, only nine points in yesterday's game. I think he was three for 15 or something like that. That is absolutely unacceptable. 
unacceptable if you're supposed to be the Robin to Kawhi Leonard's Batman. And that's what they brought him into LA, LA Clippers for. But uh, again, it, the series isn't over. He's got a chance to redeem himself. I think he'll probably have a solid game five. But this is his track record now. All the way, going all the way back to the Indiana Pacers. This is his track record. And the guys aren't scared of him. I'll say this, guys. I think the Clippers will close it out as well. But Paul George needs to respond here. The pressure is on him, like you guys have been saying. He's been MIA for the entire series. I want to ask you guys this question. How impressed have you been of Seth Curry, Steph Curry's brother for the Dallas Mavericks? He's really the energizer along with veteran J.J. Pereira for that uh, second year for the Dallas Mavericks. Go ahead, Lakina. Yeah, I, look, I, I think people underestimate how good he is because Steph, of course, gets all the attention. And, of course, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. But Seth is yep. actually not a bad player in his own right. He was actually a pretty good player when he was at Duke for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. you know, I think he's been able to – he's in a sense of where this sort of suits his style. So I'm not surprised by this. Like you, like you, guys, like you said, Jason, JJ – or I think said, I think it was you said, JJ Barea, you know, veteran, mm-hmm. you know, veteran presence off the bench. Um, I, I keep – I Lord knows I keep, you know, mispronouncing his name. That's why I don't say it. But, you know, I really like – who you two you said, Jason, I mean – you know, I, I like yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I love his personality. Mm-hmm. You saw his interview after game two, yeah. and you know, just you know, just a fun-loving, you know, big teddy bear. So he's he's really good. And uh, look, I, I think hopefully this will wake up Paul George up, like you said, Jason. I mean, it, it was it was this way when he was at Indiana. He didn't yeah. play very well the couple of times when he played for them when they were in the playoffs. So I, I think I think the Clippers will take control of this series. I think this will wake him up, like I said, and I, I think Clippers fans should not be worried, at least not right now. Go ahead, Ted. Yeah, like Lakina said, Clippers fans should be concerned. Yes, worried. No, now if you lose game five, obviously the panic button will go through the roof. But uh, we told you guys, if you listen to this program, that the Clippers will be challenged by Dallas. Now with the Clippers being a veteran team, uh, they have aging veterans. And we said this before, and we'll get to the other L.A. team later, but – for the Clippers, you must take care of business now so you get rest for the later rounds if you if you were so worried about the Lakers. But right yeah. now, you cannot afford that. So you have to take care of business in, the, in these next two games. I believe they'll do that. All right. So let's uh, – well, I want to start with the other game, and let's switch conferences here, and let's talk about the Eastern Conference. Another one of my favorite teams, the 76ers, fell victim to the team yesterday. one uh, on the final there, and the Boston Celtics move on to the next round. And, guys, Sydney, I'll start with you on this. I mean, uh, Lakina, I'll start with you on this one, I guess. Um, let's let's start with the 76ers side of this thing. Where do you think they go from here? You got to think Brett Brown's going to get get the boot, right? It's only a matter of time, not not if, but when he gets fired. I mean, this, this Sixers team has underachieved. This, this whole, yeah. like, trust the process thing has not worked. I mean – you know, once once Simmons got hurt and had to leave, that was pretty much it. I mean, and Bees, you know, did his thing. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris, who actually, you know, went through a scary fall, was actually able to mm-hmm. come back and actually finish the game, which was which was insane. Mm-hmm. But you know, Al Horford, you know, probably could have done more with him. The bench could have been a little more, you know, involved. But uh, if you if you heard uh, Brett Brown's comments like before Game Five. It was sort of like, okay, I'm not gonna throw, go through a wall for this guy. So yeah, it, 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 I just don't 
see it happening. I mean, there have been rumors that maybe Jay Wright, I mean, we've been hearing those rumors the last five or six years. I don't see him leaving. He's He's got a great situation in Villanova where he can control the control who he gets you know he can yeah. control everything and mm-hmm. you know he's in the he's in the big east where yes i know i know uconn's back there so they may they may give him a challenge so as so mm-hmm. will creighton and st john's and georgetown and all that but he'll be right there and they, and you know whatever they decide whatever they do start the hoop college who season they'll be right there in the top 10 preseason ranks so why why leave that situation but i mean do do both mb and simmons go or do one of them leave? I mean, this is one of the questions that a lot of Sixers fans are going to have to answer. Have to have to answer all of the questions. I said this a couple of years ago when the Sixers made it to the playoffs for the first time in 2018 with the core group of Simmons and Embiid. Is Brett Brown the head coach moving forward, uh, assuming that they were going to take the next step to perhaps the Eastern Conference Finals and? hopefully the NBA finals. I really didn't get that feeling at the time only because they, like you mentioned, like Ken, they were in this uh, trust the process. Every draft pick uh, that they had high pick in the first round, either they traded, uh, traded away or they. Yeah. Yeah. About the, about all the, uh, the, the trade, you know, the, the tr- all the sort of the trades that they had to they had to pull off and such. So unfortunately, you know, the, it really hasn't hasn't come to fruition. Uh, go ahead, Jason. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, I think we uh, we lost it. We'll get them right back here. Um, but uh, you know, again, one of my favorite teams in the league, the 76ers. Um, the writing was on the wall after Game Three. Obviously, they were going to get swept. Um, but like you said, uh, Lakina Brett Brown is uninspiring as a coach to me. Um, I think he was sort of defeated after that game three uh, sort of collapsed there in the final two minutes as well, uh, where they probably could have won and made it a series. Um, but but I, I pretty much believe Brett Brown is gone. I'm surprised they didn't fire him right after. Well, I'm surprised they didn't fire him this morning, like today, like right now. Um, it it should have been a, you know, a Black Monday situation that you kind of see in the NFL sometimes. Um, there, there's no point in sticking to him. Uh, again, they're uninspired. They They – you know, they, they, they were pretty much defeated, um, and it's time to move on. And that, not, that doesn't necessarily mean that Brett Brown is a bad coach, right? I think he's an okay coach, but uh, sometimes you reach a pinnacle with a certain group of individuals, and I think he did that uh, with this young team. Um, but outside of that, I think there were a ton of bad moves that were made in the off-seasons and previous off-seasons, I should say. Um, I thought getting rid of or letting J.J. Reddick go was a bad move. I thought they should have did everything they could have to try to keep him. Um, they need shooters. Tobias Harris is nice, but he was inconsistent at best this season. Um, they invested a lot in him. Um, I think the absence of Jimmy Butler was a, was a huge void, one that they weren't willing to admit that they had. Um, and, and, you know, when you couple that, with, again, with, with a few underachieving players, um, you and a, and a philosophy that, again, I, I don't think is, is reaching the players anymore, you're going to have this type of result. And, you know, I, you guys know how I feel about Joel Embiid. I, I, I don't think he's the star that people want to make him out to be quite yet. He's certainly talented, but I think he's still got some growing up and maturity to do. And for Ben Simmons, I think it's, it, it's part of the same case. Uh, he needs to stay healthy, one. And for goodness sakes, develop a jump shot. If he could develop a jump shot, he would make him and his team that much better. But until those things start happening, you're, you're going to see a lot of disappointing seasons and early exits from the Philadelphia 76ers. 
here's the thing about Joel Embiid, and I beg you on a point, Jason. Uh, we, we said this uh, before, uh, actually during the offseason after they lost to Toronto in their second round of last year's Easter Conference second round. Uh, Embiid had to come in in great shape, you know, changing his mindset, changing his body. I'm not going to say he's lazy because he's not, but it's it's like you take your talent for granted, and especially for a big guy like him, even in today's game. Uh, you have to be in an incredible shape, and he just hasn't done that yet. And like you said, he's been injured off and on throughout his whole career. When he's healthy, we see the potential that he has, but he just hasn't able to, to stay healthy. Now with Ben Simmons, of course, GM Elton Brand, who was a former 76er at one time, he wanted to trade Ben Simmons uh, at, around this time last year. Manager told him, no, we now we all know, know why now, because they gave him that contract extension, but Sometimes you have to shake up a roster. I don't know what they can really do at, at this point. Brett Brown, who should be now an ex-head coach, he was really this close, for those of you that were watching exclusively, but uh, he was real close to losing his job, but he barely got the, the callback to coach this year. You, you've seen what happened. I know Andrews will be part of the excuse, but this, this has been ongoing for the last few years. That The Sixers that just have not taken that next step yet. Yeah, and, and again, I think the league and fans are waiting for them to do that, but I don't think it's going to be with Brett Brown. Um, kind of sort of spinning it forward, I guess, who do you think would be sort of maybe the next good candidate for, for the 76ers? Because, again, there are, they are a talented team, but they've certainly underachieved. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried not to maybe to keep him away from the market. You know, Emma Yadoka, that's the name that he's thrown around for – the bull yeah. job, especially in others. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to maybe promote from within, you know, just bump up his salary. That way he will have to go in the open market. Like I said before, I doubt Jay Wright. I'm sure his name is going to be floated around, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, Juwan Howard, apparently there's another name that's being floated around too. I don't think he'll leave either. I'm sure. Although I think down the line, an NBA, an NBA, you know, coaching the NBA is probably is something that he wants to do, but I don't think he's going to do it right now. Because he feels like he's got like some unfinished finished business left in over in Michigan. So, but yeah, I mean, you still got Kenny Atkinson. You still got David Frisdale. I mean, you still got a lot of guys that are still out there. I mean, I've heard some people say maybe Pop if he decides to retire, maybe let's do a new challenge. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you pretty much took the names out of my mouth, Lakina. Maybe David Frisdale or Teron Lou. So the. Sixers will have options, but it's going to be a short offseason because we'll get into this later about what the NBA schedule will do for next season. But Philadelphia has to have a philosophy of, of what kind of roster they're going to have. Now, in fairness to Brett Brown, he had three different types of teams uh, via trades and free agency over the last two seasons. So uh, he gets it out there. But those expectations of taking the next step to a conference final and to an NBA finals were not met. So – for the Philadelphia 76ers front office, what is your philosophy going forward and what's the roster going to look like? And you can't hire uh, the best head coach until you figure out those two, uh, answer those two questions. Yeah, agreed. And, um, let, okay, so let's talk about Boston now again because they were the Sweet D team and, and they looked awfully good this series. I know uh, Jason Tatum uh, struggled in game three a little bit, uh, bounced back in game four, but – but Kimball Walker, I mean, uber impressive, especially in games three and four. So, guys, what do you think about Boston now that they've swept Philadelphia? I mean, I, I don't know what, what you guys' predictions were on this series, but, but, but how do you feel about Boston now after this week? As I said, yeah, as I said before, 
I had Boston in six. Of course, I didn't expect okay. this to come. But Jason Tatum has been playing out of his mind throughout these playoffs. Kimball Walker is there as well. I predicted on this show that Boston was going to be one of the surprise teams to challenge Milwaukee. Now they got a bit of a lesser opponent. We'll see what they do in the next round. I believe they played Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm incorrect on that, please let me know. But Yeah, I, I think it'll be Toronto, yeah. Okay, but that's going to be one heck of, a, heck of a series because, as we said before, Toronto is a complete team. You know that – they do not have Kawhi anymore. They still still play team basketball, and they get in in your face in terms of defense. So those those two teams uh, in their styles is going to be very interesting. But for Boston, who's going to step up scoring wise outside outside of Tatum and Kimball Walker? I want to see who's going to step up from their um, second unit because Toronto has a good second unit as well, and then it's going to be interesting to see how that transpires in that next round. That Gordon Hayward injury worries me. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I really think that, especially, well, I don't know, d- down the line, this could end up hurting hurting Boston, but we'll see. I mean, you know, they, they didn't really need it against Philly, but we'll see what they do against Toronto. I mean, they were having their own issues. Well, hopefully Kyle Lowry is not too too banged up. But, I mean, look, I, I'm, look I, I had Boston going far if healthy, so – but like I said, that Gordon Hayward injury scares me. Look, if Walker can do his thing, if Tatum can do his ha- do his thing, and if the bench can do their thing, then they should be okay. But Toronto, I've been, I've been saying this for 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 days. It seems unless someone beats Toronto, they're the team to beat in the East. Yeah, I mean they're the defending champs, right? You know, they're they're the champs until they're not anymore, pretty much. Um, this is a really compelling series, and and one point uh, you guys both mentioned are the injuries. Um, I, man, I just I, I feel so bad for Gordon Hayward. You know, he just can't kind of catch a break. Um, and he was playing well, you know, not not being the focal point of a team for Boston, um, just doing all of the little things, not necessarily having to score all the time, but uh, just being an overall solid player. And I, I just I, I would love to see these two teams at full strength uh, to get a better idea of how this series might play out. Got it. Like you said, Latina, got to keep an eye on the Kyle Lowry foot uh, injury. But these are these are teams, right? They, they're, they're, not, um, they're not revolving around one superstar necessarily, but they play great basketball. They share it. And um, it's, it's not about, you know, really one guy. And it's going to be an interesting series. I, I think it's going to be a long series. Um, but, but like you said, Lakina, I, I, I really don't know who to give an edge to on this one. To me, this is kind of a toss-up. But um, both teams are playing really well. But Toronto, you have to be impressed by what they're doing, especially without Kawhi Leonard. Um, but, I, you know, I, again, I just hope for a long series. I think it's going to be really, really, really good. And, um, you know, what, what else can we say about Jason Tatum? I mean, he's really coming into his own in these playoffs, and he has been this whole season. So it's really fun watching him uh, grow and mature as well. Um, all right, let's, let's finish things up out in the West where there was a showdown um, to, to end all showdowns, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, um, Utah and Denver, I, I don't think this series is over yet, but Utah pulls out the victory, I think, 129-127 yep. to take a 3-1 to one lead um, in game four. Yeah, you guys know how I feel about Donovan Mitchell. He's one of my favorite players to watch, and he dropped 50 for the second time in this series, having 51 points to help carry the Utah Jazz to this lead. So um, talk, talk about this, this game. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Sid. What, what did you think, and how impressed have you been with Utah and Donovan Mitchell? 
Um, first of all, I was cheering for Denver because you know how I feel about Jamal Murray for the last yeah. couple yeah. couple of years. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the the biggest problem with Denver in this series has been rebounding. Of course, you have Joe Gidgen. Yeah. Who else wants to decide to rebound the ball because uh, it hasn't been there consistently for Denver. Of course, uh, Rudy Gobert of Utah has been able to do what he wanted to do uh, in, in the paint all series long. Donovan Mitchell, as you mentioned, dropped 57 in game one. He dropped another 50-piece last night. And Jamal Murray finally came through for Denver. But here's the thing. Your secondary scoring outside of Jokic, uh, it, it, it wasn't there last night. I like Jeremy Grant, but uh, they have uh, injuries to a couple of key role players as well. And I think that's really uh, affected Denver throughout this series. Can they still win this series? Yes, but they really dealt themselves a three-run haul. And uh, last night's game was a perfect opportunity for, for Denver to win it. The, um, Jamal Murray hit a couple big shots down the stretch, but they just can't. They couldn't get over that hump in, in the last few seconds. And, and if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, you really had to be disappointed. It should be a really uh, be a two-two series right now. Yeah, I, I had this series. I had this series going seven, and now I feel really stupid about that now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> right? Look, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. You guys know that. Uh, but look, I mean, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, look, we we know how amazing he is, and you know, a fifty pointer, fifty one point, you know, performance. You know, they had Mike Conley Jr. kicking in with twenty six. You know, that was a big one. Also, Rudy Gobert, you know, double double like, as he usually does. Jordan Clarkson, 24 off the bench. I think that's been sort of the key, the fact that they've been able to get other contributors. And like you said, Jason, I mean, this unlike in, in Denver where Murray got Jokic, what, who else is going to be this to four? I mean, the bench the bench was basically nothing. I mean, Michael Porter, Porter Jr., Plumlee, I mean, they, they, unfortunately they haven't been sort of – and like you guys said, I mean, they're without a couple of key players as well, role players as well, so – that's necessarily not their fault, but unfortunately, this is sort of like I don't. I think they win Game Five, but it's going to be hard for them to win three in a row. Yeah, uh, I originally had this uh, series going six games as well. I, I was picking Utah to win it, though. Um, again, I had to keep saying it, but you guys know how I feel about Utah and Donovan Mitchell. I think they're really, a really, really good team, and I, I love the fact. See, the the thing that I think makes players great. In, and not just in the NBA, but in sports in general, is are you playing your best basketball when it matters most? I, I think that's one of the great, you know, the, the, the bullet points, the benchmarks of, of a great player. And, and we're starting to see that with Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, it's not his first playoff series, but uh, this guy is coming up huge when his, when his team needs him the most. And... I don't want to say he's been underrated since he's been in the league because he's definitely an emerging star. I don't believe that. But um, I just love the way he's taking his game to the next level. And uh, you made a great point, uh, Sid, when you, were, when you were talking about Rudy Gobert and rebounding earlier because I think that's a big, big difference in this series as well. Uh, Utah is getting a lot of extra possessions. Um, you know, not just defensive boards, but obviously offensive boards with their extra possessions as well. And, and Rudy Gobert has a lot to do with that. I think the arrival, re-arrival also of Mike Conley Jr. Um, has had something to do with that as well. And the, the guy's a veteran point guard. He's been great in this league for a long time now. Uh, ask the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder that. I mean, not Oklahoma City Thunder, but the Memphis Grizzlies that. Uh, you can get my teams wrong there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he's been a great point guard in this league for a long time, and he's starting to show that getting his chance in the playoffs again. 
Sid? Uh, I'll say this for Utah. They have the advantage in this series. Uh, can they close out Denver, which is going to be uh, the big question. We all know that Donovan Mitchell is going to show up, but will the Denver Nuggets team show up? I know technically they're Denver's the home team in game five. It doesn't matter because they're in the bubble, but I want to see if Michael Porter Jr. steps up, If, like you mentioned earlier, Lakina. And I, I want to see uh, if they can rebound the ball consistently because that's been their problem this whole series. Yeah, where, where's he been, Sid? Uh, you know, I thought, I thought, well, especially before the shutdown, he was starting to come into his own as well. I'm um, talking about Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure how, you know, how good he would be in the league either, but he was starting to emerge as as somewhat that third option, like you talked about when you were, you know, when you were um, going on earlier. But but he's really been a disappointment so far in this series. And also too, I want to see Paul Millsap. Uh, he's been there in the playoffs before. Uh, he's been a, a no-show, so I want to see him uh, step up in a key veteran role in Game 5 if yeah. they want to keep their season alive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been a no-show, and uh, where has he been? I mean, you know, Murray, Jokic, but they need that third sort of score to kind of like, you know, balance it out for them, and unfortunately he hasn't been able to do it. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm, I'm hoping the six ends because this should be one series that should be able to extend the six or seven games. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think one more uh, topic that I, I don't know if you guys probably have discussed this within the past week or so. I'm sure you have. Um, but just as a refresher, of course, the Bulls finally fired Jim Boylan as their coach. So Sid and Lakina, um, you know, give me give me your reactions on that. And, and where do you think the team goes from here? Because we are in Chicago. I guess we got to talk about it, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh like, 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 I'll rehash what I, what we said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And when we this the news first came up, I mean, mm-hmm. look, there have been a, there are a lot of names that are being thrown around. You know, Yadoka, who I just mentioned from the from the Sixers, Adrian Griffin. You know, his name's being thrown around. Kenny Atkinson. I've heard some people even say that maybe Popovich, but I don't think, really think he wants to go through this. At his, he's in his 70s. I don't right. think he wants he's to going to retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to go go retire and go whatever it is he 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 does he he's probably going to do. So, I mean, they'll, they'll have he'll have this look. look our two is credentials and also Mark Evans. They'll have their pick of coaches. So, well, we'll see what direction they decide to go. I think they're going to go for more of a players' new school coach kind of thing since you know this is sort of the thing the trend now so I think they'll he'll have his pick especially now that they're going to have the top the, the top four we got to talk about that in a little bit you know the Bulls have the number get the number four pick for this this year's NBA draft so he'll 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 you know he'll have his his sort of his his choices and I think I said this too on the last podcast that the Bulls are going to get a, a new head coach a younger coach that can relate to the players to also help with player development because at the time Thibodeau left there, the player development has been down. So yeah. with, that be, with that being said, with any rebuild, uh, your key stars need to perform. And assuming that everything goes according to plan within two, three, four years, everybody who's on the roster right now will not be on the roster by the time you're ready to contend for a championship or, and perhaps compete for the playoffs. So, it's important. Uh, I hate to say you're going to be like Brett Brown or Kenny Atkinson. You got to get those type of coaches to get them to point A to point B. Now, as I mentioned, when you get to from point B to point C in terms of taking the next step, become uh, hopefully becoming championship contenders, you'll need a different head coach at that time. Yeah, uh, 
you guys know I was probably ecstatic uh, when I heard this news. So uh, it, it's long overdue. <laughs> <laughs> it's long overdue in my opinion. Um, I hope, like you mentioned, also said that, that they get a coach that can relate to these players. Um, I don't know who that will be yet. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm honestly not sure if I like Fisdale over necessarily Adrian Griffin because Adrian Griffin knows this roster. He knows the players. Um, so I would kind of like him. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm still shocked that Mark Jackson doesn't have a job. I know I mention his name a lot uh, when it comes to coaching vacancies. I don't think he'll come to Chicago, but I mean, a man can dream. So maybe that, that might might come to fruition. I doubt it, though. Uh, but, you know, I, you made a great point, Sid, and I was going to say this as well. The, the player development was, has been way down in, in, you know, this season and previous seasons since Thibodeau left. Um, so whoever the, the Bulls get, again, I hope he's focused on player development and player communication because I think you'll, you'll see better results that way. Uh, just um, so let's let's talk about this uh, NBA draft lottery now with the Bulls having their number four pick. Um, how, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, I, you know, they're, they're picking in the top ten again for, uh, you know, the second, third, fourth time in the year in a row now. Um, this draft is top heavy, though, so even coming in at number four doesn't guarantee you anything. So, uh, Sid, let's start with you. Um, kind of what was your reaction and what do you think the Bulls can do with this number four pick? I actually said out loud to anybody who listened. Unfortunately, I did not put this prediction on Twitter, but I said uh, during that day of the draft lottery that the Bulls would get the number number four pick. And look what happened. They're picking at number four. But with that being said, they need a young scorer uh, to help with this roster. Me personally, I think that James Weissman, uh, he only played a couple of games at Memphis before what happened to him. People can Google that for themselves. But uh, they can use a, a, a guy inside that can operate and, and be a threat with the basketball to score off offensively. I know you have a few more foreign guys that are available to be selected in this year's draft. I'm sorry, I don't have the list in front of me, but if the Bulls uh, had the opportunity to draft James Weissman, I would do it, but I don't know if he's going to be there because you obviously have three other teams in front of, front of him. So uh, it, it, it it's going to be tough, but I think the Bulls are, are in a prime position to – that pick that prime time player. Me personally, I would like to have James Weissman if, if he's there, but I don't know if he's going to be there. Yeah, they got him going. I think like top three I've seen some of the draft boards. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think AK like he actually made a joke saying this will be the highest he's ever had he's ever had to pick. I think like the most I think the highest pick that he had when he was at Denver was like five or six. So this will be a first for him as well. I mean, it's, it, you got to think it's going to be based on need, right? I mean, you know, Obi Toppin. I mean, do you need do you need a, a power forward like that? I mean, you know, a guy that swept all the national honors last year who we were robbed of seeing in the tournament. I think they, I've said it before, you know, I, I felt that Dayton team could have went, he and that Dayton team could have went far, but that's neither here nor there at this point. LaMelo, LaMelo is actually, LaMelo Ball, who's actually been playing very well, but he might go one or two. So I don't know if he's going to be there. Dinia, Dinia uh, Avila from Tel Aviv. I think that's a name that's another name that's being floated around too. I mean, he's kind of like that Laurie Marketing type style. So I don't know, like, would he fit in the Bulls offense? So the, the, he'll have his, like, AK will have his pick of, of players, but best player available is what, you know, he'll, he's, he has said. So we'll, we'll see. But then again, he might trade down. So who knows? Yeah, uh, again, this draft is top heavy. Um, you know, it, it's outside of those first two or three picks, it's, 
you know, none, nothing real, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of other junior man- managers probably feel this way around the league, nothing really exciting. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is a collateral pick. Maybe they could trade down and, and get something. I don't know. Uh, hopefully they're coming up with creative ways to do that. Um, but they, they, they've got, I think, the Bulls do anyway, some good young pieces. And if they can get a guy, again, I don't think he'll even be there at four. But like you said, uh, Sydney, if James Wiseman is there, I think if you pair him with a Mike, uh, with a Lloyd Markinen, a Carter Jr., you've got uh, White at your point guard. I mean, I think you, you could have something there uh, to build for the future. But again, that's, you know, that's a really, really big if, right? Um, I yeah. don't think he'll be there at four. So maybe they can use that number four pick trade down and get a couple more valuable pieces. Who knows? You know, just just looking at what the Bulls' uh, uh, position they're in with the number four slot. As you guys mentioned, they uh, you'll probably end up have, having to pick the best player available. Uh, the trading that pick uh, it, it depends on who's who's slotted who's slotted in with all these draft projections and all that. But I think if if I had to put some money on it legally, of course, mm-hmm. I I would say the Bulls would probably just pick the best player available at number four. Yeah, like I said, like I said, he'll have their pick. I mean, he'll have his pick of who he gets. And like you said, Jason, they may end up trading down. Who knows? But uh, well, we'll see. Um, there, uh, you got game. You got game four of Bucks and Magic going about to tip off as we speak. Uh, Milwaukee's up two one. They've struggled. You know, here they are. Some people were saying even here they are again in sort of the early slots. You know, twelve thirty game. You know, twelve forty tip off. So where do you guys see that series? <laughs> this is your classic NBA TV series, and rightfully so. I did see only five minutes of that game on Saturday, which I'm glad I only saw five minutes of because I expected Milwaukee to dominate, and I know this is what, which exactly what they did. But um, as I said before, when we did our playoff preview segments a couple weeks ago, uh, Orlando was going to get one one game. They got their one game. Now you're seeing who they really are, even them you know, missing um, Mo Bamba and Aaron Gore, most importantly. Uh, if, the, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're for real. You're up to one in the series. You should step on your foot on this team like you did on Saturday to take care of business. If this goes beyond five games, there's a problem. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that, Sid. If this goes beyond five games, it's a problem. Um, I'm not – I wasn't overly worried or, you know, uh, jumping up and down at that Orlando one game one. <laughs> Wasn't, you know, not a big deal to me. Um, Milwaukee seems to be back on track. I am, however, concerned about Chris Middleton. They are going to need him. He's got to start shooting the ball better. He's an all-star caliber player, but he's struggling right now. Hopefully he can get out of his funk. Uh, but, but Giannis is Giannis. So, I, I, to me, he's enough. And then you've got uh, Brooke Lopez playing absolutely outstanding basketball right now. Um, so, they're, they're more than enough to get past Orlando. But whoever you got coming up in that second round, uh, could could be tough, and they're going to need Chris Middleton for it. Yeah, they could get they could get away. He can get with way of taking this series off, but down the line, especially if they're trying to go back to the, go to the finals, he can't you can't afford to do that. Um, Houston at OKC. Houston, you know, up two one. Um, what do you guys think of this series? You guys think this can OKC even the series out? I think that they can. They they showed great poise um, during that uh, second half on Saturday. 
Uh, they caught Houston with their pants hanging down, no pun intended, <laughs> during uh, the last couple minutes of the regu regulation. Uh, Chris Paul is showing his uh, veteran leadership once again. Uh, uh, Gildas Alexander uh, coming up with big buckets in, in that game three. Uh, I think I, I predicted OKC in an upset. So I know Russell Westbrook will still be out for Houston. Uh, James Harden, he did not look good in that first half. And so I'm not surprised there. But I think OKC can even it up tonight. And as, as I said before on this show, it's not going to be easy for Houston. And now with the injury to Westbrook, as I mentioned, it gets even harder. Now, if OKC can tie it up tonight, things will really get interested for Houston. Yeah, I kind of think OKC ties it up uh, as well. Uh, they, they've had opportunities. I think, I think actually, except for the game one, I think that was a blowout. But in games two mm -hmm. and three, uh, they definitely had an opportunity in game two. And obviously they, they pull it out in game three. Um, I think they pull it even. Um, Shea Gilders has Alexander, like you said, Sydney. I mean, he's really coming into his own, really a talented, talented kid. Um, just the sort of player that, that I think Chris Paul sort of needs. And, um, you know, he's, he's showing once again why he's one of the best point guards in this league, even at his advanced, even at this advanced stage in his career. Um, and, and, yeah, again, I think OKC easing it up tonight. Yeah, I, I had this going six, so and I'm sticking with it. I think OKC does even it up tonight, but I, I think that I think that Harden will kind of lead the team, and he'll he'll get back to being the James Harden that we know and love, and they'll end up taking this control of the series. Um, Indiana and Miami. Miami could finish it off today. So what do you guys think about that series? I'm really disappointed in Indiana. I know they showed great fight on Saturday and game. Game three, uh, coming back for almost from 20 points down at halftime. They showed the great fight, but as I said before, before this series got started, Miami's more of a balanced team, of course, led by Jimmy Butler. You have role players like rookie Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, who's really been playing very well in this series. Indiana, they can score the ball with the best of them, but uh, they're not a complete team defensively. They're just not there. You, you still have great players and Malcolm Brogdon, and Miles Turner. But um, Sabonis, they really miss. I don't know about you guys, but they really yep. miss him. T.J. Warren, he hasn't been scoring like he has been during the previous eight games in the bubble. So uh, troubling for Indiana. Maybe they'll win game four, but if, uh, assuming that they do, I don't see them extending this series past five games. Yeah, I actually think that he closed this thing out, and I'm what you said. Um, I'm, I'm really disappointed with the Pacers. Uh, their golden opportunity was in game two, but they had a late game collapse as well. They couldn't they couldn't close it out. Uh, they let Miami go with that game, and I think that would have made it a series. Um, but, but they, they, yeah, I'm with you. I'm really disappointed. But you mentioned they don't have Sabonis. Victor Oladipo is not 100%. I don't care what anybody says. He's not 100%. He does, you can see it. He doesn't have the lift on his leg. Or he, he doesn't have his legs. He doesn't have his game day legs. And honestly, I, at this point in his career with the injuries that he's had, I don't know if he can get him back. Um, I, I don't want to engage in hot takes or hyperbole or anything like that, but he's really had some devastating injuries to his legs, uh, Victor Oladipo has. And I love watching the kid play. But um, he really needs an offseason to get back in shape and hopefully get healthy 100%. Um, Miles Turner, excellent talent but inconsistent. Uh, T.J. Warren, inconsistent. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon has been a godsend. I mean, he's been worth every penny that the Pacers have paid for him. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
excuse me, but it's not been enough. Um, you know, Miami is balanced, and they're led by, you know, who I, I call a dog in his league in Jimmy Butler. And I think you need a dog on your team uh, to be successful. He, he's not going to score 30 or 40 points every night Jimmy Butler is. He's capable, but he's not going to do that. But what he's going to do is give you an all-around complete game, and he, he's an obvious leader for this young Miami Heat team. You can see it throughout the team. They, they exude his confidence. Uh, Duncan Robinson, like you said, um, Sydney's been shooting the lights out. So is Tyler Hero. Uh, they've been playing great, um, even with Kendrick Nunn struggling. So, I, I mean, I, I'm looking for Miami to close this thing out today. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I th- I'm with you guys. I think Miami closed it out. I think Jimmy Butler's on a mission. And I, and I think that, that it's unfortunate Eric Spoelstra doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Because I think he's showing you that he is not just some, you know, some lackey that LeBron lobbied to get the job. You know, he's showing you that he's a pretty darn good coach. I'm just going to leave it there. And last, of course, but certainly not least, you got Lakers and Blazers. Can the Lakers take control of this series? They're up 2-1. I think Portland ties it up tonight. Uh, Damian Lillard, yeah, he looked great early, but you can tell that finger finger injury on his non-shooting hand is affecting him. But He's the game, but this is what we expect from your high top uh, paid superstars. Uh, the, the question is, who else is going to step up to help him out? Will it be Melo? Although he's not the player that he once was, although he's looked great in spots in this series. CJ McCollum, where are you, buddy? Uh, Yursic, uh, Nurkic, um, uh, he needs to step it up a little bit more. So, And Gary Trent Jr., I know he was in foul trouble the other night, but uh, who's going to step up to help out? How about uh, Dame Dollar, as the kids call him? So I'm looking for the role players for Portland to step it up tonight if they want to tie up the uh, this series at two. Because what happened in game one was they, uh, the secondary players stepped up. They took advantage of the Lakers' defensive problems, and they shot the ball well. When they haven't shot the ball well, they lost. So, and that's what happened. The, the Blazers are now, uh, now down 2-1. The Lake, on the other side, the Lakers have shot the ball very, very well. You saw that on Saturday in game two, Anthony Davis came out to play and established his, his um, presence early and then led to a blowout win in game two. So I want to see how uh, Portland kind of acts with that, uh, with their role players. I want to see who else steps up to help Damian Lillard. Uh, for me, and I, I, I hope the series is extended to six games. That's where I had it uh, when, I, when I first looked at the series between the Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Lakers. I hope uh, it can go to six games. I just don't know uh, now with, with Damian Lillard's finger. Um, you, you're right, though, that I mean, he's a gamer. He's a tough guy, and, and I love I love watching him play. He's one of the more underrated, if not the most underrated player in the league. Um, but he's hobbled a little bit, and, you know, you made another great point. Who else is going to step up? Can Melo have a big moment? Can he have a good game? Where has CJ McCollum been? He's been inconsistent. He was great in game one. It has, it has disappeared in games two and three. Uh, so has Nurkic. You know, they, they need their complete team. And I think also the, what will be a big key tonight, if LeBron James comes out and he looks like LeBron James early, like he did in game three. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Portland can withstand a, a Anthony Davis onslaught, if that makes any sense. I don't think they can withstand it if LeBron comes out early and he is assertive and he's dominant like we know he can be. Um, I don't think they'll have an answer for that. So um, I think that's something to watch out for in game four. But, um, you know, again, I hope you're right, Sydney. I really, really do. I hope the Trailblazers can tie it up. But 
I just don't think it'll happen. I think uh, the Lakers put a stranglehold on this series. Yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I think the Lakers are on a mission, like we've been saying. They're going to take a stranglehold on this series. And I don't – and like you said, if we, if we see the LeBron that we know he can be in the playoffs, you know, they're going to be tough to beat. And, you know, Rondo, we'll see what Ray John Rondo is. I mean, that lower back's been bothering him. We'll see if he plays tonight. So that'll be interesting. Um I look, 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 no, no kids. I mean, look, let's remember he just lost his grandmother who was, who he was very close with. So I, I, I got to think that you kind of have to let him slide there, but CJ McCollum, I mean, worse, you know, he kind of, he's been disappearing in the sort of like as it gets down to the wire in the game. So, I, you know, I think it, he has to step it up. I think, and look, you know, it might also be fatigue. It might play a factor too. I know they've had some days off, so maybe they'll all be refreshed. But I think the Lakers will take control of this series, and I think they'll end up winning it, winning it in five. I think they'll win tonight. I don't think they'll end up clinching it in a couple of days. All right, uh, one more before we go to break. Uh, people are making such a big deal about the NBA ratings not being, you know, really good, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wait a minute. I actually did some research here. Um, I went back to – I didn't go too far back, but I went back to, like, the 1979-1980 season. The number one show, you know, as it, as it finishes was actually 60 Minutes, believe it or not. It averaged about 28 million viewers, and I'm going to this from memory. I didn't think it was Mashed. I think it was Three's Company. I might have to order backwards, but and I, also, I think That's Incredible 2 was up there as well. They had like 25 to 28 million. And then you think of last, this past season where, you know, everything had to kind of stop because of COVID, you know, seasons were shortened and that kind of thing. Outside of the Sunday Night Football, which is number one, number two scripted series, the number two show, the number one scripted show was NCIS, which is now going to have its 19th season. It, 18th, I should say. And that finished up with about 15 million viewers. So you go from, 1980 and then like 40 years later you get from like 15 I mean and then you see that people are cutting the cord and such I mean I think people need to kind of like sort of like stuff with the hot takes and the hyperbole about oh what's this or what's that it's just so silly I mean I, I what do you guys think before we before we uh take a break Lagina dropping jewels I like I like that that's what we do on this show that's what we do we back it up with facts baby um, I was listening to a national radio. I was listening to a national radio show on Friday, and I know I gave you guys that clip. I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit, but uh, let's be honest here. 1980, in terms of the NBA, it was on CBS. Uh, cable television was coming to people's homes back then, but not everybody could afford it. And, and number two, the finals and playoffs were on tape delays, so you couldn't get any viewers there. That, that those games were aired after your late local news. Fast forward to today, like you mentioned, Lakina. People are cut cording. People are watching the um, streams via the NBA app or Reddit apps, uh, things along that line. So uh, when those ratings numbers uh, show up, I don't think they're registering how fans are viewing uh, the games. It's not just by the traditional watching it on television anymore. Let's just say if you have work, like sometimes I do with my 9 to 5, you can DVR the games and and watch them later when you come home from work. So – that changes things right there. So there's a plus. Just in general, there are many options uh, available if you don't like sports or basketball in particular. So you didn't have that. This was 30, 40 years ago. So there are so many options out there. So I think uh, the powers that be had to uh, cater to an audience of where they're how how they are watching the games. It's not just by traditional television anymore. Some people want to blame it on the political movement, which I don't think that's uh, necessary. 
Uh, NBA ratings have been up and down for the regular season over the past few years anyway, so it has nothing to do with the political climate. So people can uh, miss me with that nonsense. So it's just the way we have so many options now to view our games. And that's all across all of the four major sports. And also all television, too. I mean, yep. yes. television and cable television, too. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, no, I mean, you guys, I, I, I mean, I'd only be echoing what you guys said. Um, I, I mean, a lot of people are cord cutting. There's so many more options these days. And, and, you know, ratings are so 2000. You know, they're so 1990. They're so 1980. <laughs> Nielsen ratings, I mean, what are those now? I mean, come on now. They're, they're, uh, yeah, they, that that wasn't is not taken into a factor again how people are consuming uh, television and sports in general. So I mean I'm not I'm not worried about that. You know we may have uh, some prominent political figures who would point to things like that and to try to make a point for something else. I won't even get into it. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. But yeah. um, you know I'm, I'm I'm not worried about that at all. Not not in the slightest. All right, so let, that, that's our take on it. So feel free to comment, you know, on the, through the podcast platforms, you know, to see what you guys think. But like we've been saying, people need to kind of like, listen, this is like, like Jason <laughs> said, I mean, Nielsen, three, those are like, you know, 20, 30, or how you probably even say even 10 years ago, it was starting to kind of left. So it, it's silly. But so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk baseball. Um, Sox get their series, but the Cubs, you know, showed a little bit of, by yesterday. <laughs> also, some separation, I think. Yeah, and well, that too. And also, you know, we'll, we'll try to sit through that to try to get too depressed about Fernando Tatis. You're still doing his thing. We'll also, <laughs> but we'll also talk some NFL and fake positive testing. And in college football, they've released their top 25, preseason top 25, which is weird, but we'll, we'll get to that. So, <laughs> second state sports, Sousa, we'll we could be right after this. <clears throat> All right, welcome to our number two of Second City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom, Zoom style. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that more and more. Uh, <laughs> of course, again, once again, I am Jay Pfeiffer. You can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter. You can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI. You follow Ke- me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow yours truly, Sid the Kid, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. Excuse me. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can download this podcast along with our other fabulous programming from We Are Regal Radio, wherever you download your podcast. But you can download the iHeartRadio app. Just type in War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor, and you can access all of our uh program including second city sports and lakita where can they find us on youtube you can follow us on the youtube channel just look up we are radio on we w-a-r-r on anchor make sure you guys subscribe so we need to bump up those uh those subscribers so tell your friends tell everybody you know we're, we're right there if you want to see our lovely faces <laughs> yeah all right, so let's get into this discussion. Of course, we're going to start things off this hour with some baseball talk. Um, part one of the Crosstown series between the Southsiders, Chicago White Sox, and the Chicago Cubs goes to the White Sox, who are really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you I, know you were. I know you were. Um, <laughs> winners, uh, seven out of their last eight. 
uh, the Cubs take game three behind another stellar performance uh, from you, Darvish. I was not surprised by that at all. I predicted that coming into the season, COVID or non-COVID, I thought he was going to have a really, really good year based on his second half of last season. Um, but, but overall, this, this, is, I, this is about the White Sox here, guys. Uh, again, seven of their last eight. Uh, they've been setting major league records left and right. Jose Abreu and team wise hitting the ball out of the ballpark. We, we, we pretty much thought this would happen, guys. We've been talking about this for a few seasons now. Um, I, I'm not sure. Well, well, for me personally, I think they're a season early. But again, we've also talked about how crazy this season could be and how we could see some sort of unusual things going on in Major League Baseball. But I, I don't think any of us are really surprised uh, about how the good how good the Sox are doing. Um, but again, for me personally, um, it's, it's a year before arrival. But listen, they, they have been great. Uh, they're getting great starting pitching, obviously led by Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel. Um, and, and of course, the offense is just hitting on all cylinders. So, Sid, I'll start with you. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about the Sox, but they're playing great, man. How are how, how you liking what they're doing? I'm loving what they're doing. I'm not surprised of, of what they're doing. I, I'm proud of how they're doing it with the home runs. Uh, let's be honest here. Uh, coming into the uh, uh, last weekend series against the Cubs, they beat up on the Tigers, and, of course, they beat up on the Kansas City Royals. We said this a couple weeks ago. You have to beat up on the bad teams, and you have to show up against the good teams. This series was import, more important for the White Sox than the Cubs. Now, for Sunday's game, did the White Sox have a, a golden opportunity to sweep the Cubs? Yes, they did. But yeah. runners in scoring position has been their problem off and on all year, and it showed, it showed his ugly head on Sunday. But with, with that being said, you're getting great starting pitcher from Lucas Giolito. Uh, Dylan sees who made one mistake in Sunday's loss. Uh, he's been pitching very well. And uh, – who else is going to step up on their starting staff? We shall see. Ronaldo, Ronaldo Lopez did not look good on Saturday. He did get out a couple of minor jams early, but he didn't look good at all. Uh, I'll talk about more about his future in, in a minute. But as far as the offense is concerned, Tim Anderson has looked great ever since he's come back from his injury a couple of weeks ago. Luis Robert, uh, he introduced himself to the north side this weekend in a couple of big home runs. Jose Abreu, we had – Janice Scurio from Southside Hit Pen, part of Sports Illustrated now on our last podcast previewing this series. And I asked her the question, do you think that Jose Abreu will slow down? Uh, she said no, because we all thought that coming into the season, Jose Abreu, he's a good player, but he's getting up there in age, and he's not going to have the same numbers as he did last year or previous years. But he's proven everybody wrong. You saw he's hit six home runs uh, during this Crosstown series. So that bat is alive and well. And Yasmani Grandal. It's nice to finally see him come around. He had a couple of big uh, hits as well, uh, along with a couple of the home runs. So he's been showing up. So uh, as soon as the Sox can get their whole roster back, hopefully very soon that Nate Madrigal will come back and play second base. Johan Mankato, who missed Friday's game, he showed up at the plate on Saturday. So you have a real balanced team right now with the White Sox. Just hopefully that starting pitcher will come together. Their bullpen, even though they're suffering – a couple of injuries right now. They still look good. So um, I'm really liking what the White Sox are doing, doing right now. Just one other quick thing. They have a light schedule coming up this week, only two games at home against Pittsburgh. And I believe they go Kansas City comes here uh, this coming weekend, and then they go to Minnesota next week. So this is a big stretch coming up for the White Sox again. You have Softies in Kansas City and Pittsburgh before you go to Minnesota next week. 
that's going to be another big series right there. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, 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 I said on Friday, the White Sox need this series more than the Cubs did. Boy, did they do just that. I mean, look, I think I think Abreu just hit another home run. I, I just think he's, he's just that good. And <laughs> we don't look, we don't, we don't know, look, he is getting older. We don't know how long he's going to be able to have this kind of power. So you might as well just, you know, enjoy that. You know, Eloy did his thing. Moncada, though, did not look good. That's the moment that don't want a little gripe. I mean, the pitching, that backhand, that rotation, that still worries me a little bit down the line mm -hmm. they were able to get out of they were able to get out of jams you know they had the bases loaded a couple of times able to get out of there but you know credit to the white Sox. i mean they were able to kind of you know be right there and sort of like put themselves in a good position to get one of those wild card spots now as for the cubs i mean but the cubs needed that win you darvish looked really good he's been looking really good people say he could be sort of like the leader in the clubhouse for the nl Cy young i don't know if jared jeffries i I don't know if he's going to be the new closer, but it, it, the spot's up there now. So I think he might have – he was able to kind of get out of some jams um, yesterday too to help, you know, get the win for the Cubs. So those – you know, they have three more games left in the last three games of the regular season. So that could end up perhaps being maybe some playoff positioning, if you will. So, look, I mean, the White Sox fans, they should be very happy. They sh – you know, they were able to kind of get that – get the win this series. But, you know, the Cubs totally got the win when they needed yeah, and, and the White Sox are looking a lot like the Cubs did five years ago. Uh, they're, they're looking hungry, they're, they're balanced, and they're just mashing the ball all over the ballpark. Um, I, I, I could be wrong. You, you guys tell me. I mean, you, you guys have the, your finger on the pulse on the Sox a little bit better than I do, but I, I've kind of been saying this. I think it, if, if Cease is going to stay consistent, you guys are going to be pretty okay with your starting pitching. I know the back half, like you mentioned, Lakina, may be worrisome a little bit, but if you've got Giolito, Keiko, and Cease as your one, two, and three, possibly, you guys are going to be pretty good. I tell you that because, listen, I've been watching Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez for, for going back to 2016 now in the Cubs farm system. Uh, the, the, those two young guys are, are going to be your, your faces of your franchise moving forward. Uh, Luis Robert hit a ball that I still don't think has landed yet. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, I've been, I've been really impressive about their lineup. Um, Jose Abreu, we've been talking about underrated players in the NBA. Jose Abreu is really one of the underrated players in major league baseball. He just doesn't really get the recognition that, that I think he deserves. I think you guys feel the same way. He has been a staple and stalwart, uh, whether he's been DH or at first base for the White Sox for the better part of this decade. So um, I, I, you know, again, it's a question to see, can he keep it going? He's, he's up there in age a little bit. Um, but he's, he's bringing that stability to that young lineup that they sorely need. And, uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. The Sox needed this series a little bit more than the Cubs did, but they're, they're struggling. They can't hit the ball to save their life right now. Uh, you Darvish, again, he had to, had to stop the bleeding, so to speak. Um, and as far as the bullpen goes, David Ross is going to put out there whoever the coin lands on that day, uh, because that's just what the bullpen is right now. It's we, we've talked about this going on three seasons now. They 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 haven't fixed the bullpen and they can't hit with runners in scoring position. It's these are glaring problems that the Cubs have had, um, you know, going back for a few seasons now. And you know they got off to such a great start, but now these weaknesses are starting to come to light a little bit more and more. Uh, can they turn it around? It remains to be seen because I still think they have a talented team, but, but boy, you just don't like the fact that, that, you know, obviously before Chris Bryant got injured, he was hitting below the Mendoza line. 
Javi Baez is going back to the 2014 Javi Baez. He's just swinging at everything right now, um, and, it, and it's really concerning. Going back to Dylan Cease, I know it's the difference between last year and this year, and that's why he has the best record as far as the starting pitching on the White Sox right now. Uh, last year when he came up as a rookie, he was trying to strike everybody out, and he barely got through five innings of throwing over 100 pitches. I noticed that this year he's not trying to strike out everybody. He's putting the ball in play and letting the defense uh, do the work for him. He's still getting a few strikeouts here and there, but he's not uh, oversimplifying things. And almost like the Dallas Keiko approach, Dallas Keiko, to a lesser extent, he doesn't worry about striking out guys. He just uh, uh, throws the pitch to the batter and lets the defense do the work for him, almost like what Mark really brought to the Sox many years ago. So like you mentioned, Jason, the top three of, the, of that rotation is solid if they're on and if they get enough help from their office. Now, the back end of the rotation, uh, um, Gio Gonzalez, I know he's an aging veteran. I know you picked up the win on Saturday, but I don't know if uh, he's going to be the answer going forward, which leads me to Ronaldo Lopez. Now, what frustrates me about Ronaldo, and you saw it on Saturday, uh, he can start off hot, and if he starts off hot, he has everything going his way. Uh, he's good for the rest of the game. But every time he goes into trouble, and you saw this uh, the last couple of years, he, t- he, tends, he tends to let it get to him and let it get into his head and let it affect him for the rest of the time he's on the mound. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, down the line. I mean, both teams... have, have that. He's been here for the last panel, kind of like that moving forward, if he's supposed to be one of your core guys going forward. Me personally, after this year, I will put him in the bullpen, build his his uh, his stock up for him to be a possible trade bait uh, going down the road. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say so because he kind of froze for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I think both these teams have weaknesses, so it'll be interesting to see what both. You know, both teams decide to do. You know, they both have like ease, quote, easy schedules coming up these the next week or two. So they should be the coach should be able to kind of like pat their you know win totals. The White Sox should be able to stay stick right there for you know to be right there in that wild card spots for the, in the AL. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we move on. Um, and Lakina, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. And see, you can chime in too. I am really, really concerned about John Lester. Uh, he, it, there was a noticeable dip in velocity, even, even from two seasons ago, there was a, there was a dip in velocity last year, but this year he is barely touching 90, 91 on the gun. Um, I, I'm really concerned about him. I know he, you know, he, he's coming to the end of his contract. He's got an option coming up after this year, but, but just, you know, re- really quick, uh, Lakina, and again, Sid, if you want to give your thoughts as well, where's your concern meter about John Lester right now? I mean, Unfortunately, we don't have the long schedule so that, you know, he yeah. can't write the shift. So if there is a big problem, if it's, you know, if it's our, I don't think it's our issues. I'm sure it would have came out that it is. I think he just needs to kind of like find his rhythm back again. He is capable of doing that. I mean, I know he's up there in age now, but I, I think that he needs to get it, get it right and get it right quick because they don't have the time for it. So I, I think he'll get it together. I, I think I'm sure he was not very happy with his start on Friday. His yeah, last two starts have been bad. Yeah, so I, I'm sure he'll he'll try to you know you know work with his mechanics and work with the pitching coaches and sort of try to kind of like see what's <laughs> wrong and then maybe perhaps he he can write the ship. I think you may have to put him on an uh, innings limit uh, count or a pitching count, but I don't know if you have the time to do that because 
as you mentioned, Jason, uh, you cannot trust that bullpen right now for the Chicago Cubs. Craig Kimbrell, he looked okay on Sunday, but he could get in the first two outs, but he walks uh, the next two guys, almost costing the Cubs the game. Jeffries, who closed the game on Sunday, he looked good, but he left the, the bases a little. Thank goodness for the Cubs that he got out of it. But uh, John Lester, you may have to put him on the pitch count, but I don't know if you could pull that up with a, a savvy, uh, savvy veteran like him. So you may just have to ride this out. And hopefully you get enough from your offense so you don't have to go out there six or seven innings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just don't know how, how it can get fixed. I mean, I hope it does, you know, quickly because like you guys both mentioned, they're, they're, you know, they're, we're already halfway through the season at this point. Um, you know, he's only got maybe three or four, maybe five starts left uh, in, this, in this sort of uh, unique, unique season here. So, uh, I, you know, again, that sort of amps up my concern for, for him because, you know, he, John Lester is a guy that, that has, you know, obviously in this later stage in his career, he's, he's relied on execution of his pitches more so than overpowering uh, the, the batter. And he's missing spots. And if you couple that with a dip in velocity, uh, you're going to see results of, of like what you've been seeing in the last two starts from him. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, any other baseball news or notes that you guys may want to get into? Yes. Uh, we didn't mention this, Lakina, on our last podcast. The Tampa Bay Rays, as yeah. I told you, they need to get back on track. They swept the Yankees. Uh, uh, at, around this time last week, uh, they took care of Toronto this past weekend. Uh, they're, they're first place by, I think, a game over the Yankees. And, of course, the Yankees have been struggling. Of course, their well, the weekend series against the Mets were postponed due to uh, Stafford's from the Mets uh, catching COVID-19. And also, Oakland's looking good while Houston is struggling. And the Colorado Rockies are now below 500. I was watching that game on Sunday. I actually watched the last two games of that series against the Dodgers. And it seems like through recent history, the, the Rockies can beat the Dodgers when they're in Coors Field, but when they go down to uh, Dodgers Stadium, it's a whole nother ball game. And the last two games of that series this past weekend have proved that. Yeah, the Rays pitching has really stepped up for them. They were able to get that sweep, and they've been, they're now in first place by themselves. Remember, though, the Yankees have injury problems, you know, Stan and Judge. I, I, know, I, know, I think Judge is supposed to come back, I think, this week sometime. Stan's going to be off for another two or three weeks. So that's definitely been a hindrance for the Yankees. Um, I think Toronto somehow, I don't know how, but I think they somehow get into the playoff picture. Yeah. Because uh, I mm -hmm. think that team, that, that's a young, scrappy team, and that team's way too good. Their pitching is sort of still concerns me a little bit, but they've got the hitting. So they'll be right there for to get a chance to get that playoff race. Minnesota's still doing their thing. You know, they, they, they had another home run, I think, yesterday. So uh, <laughs> Oak, Oakland, with Oakland's pulling away from the, the Astros, who've been struggling lately. We'll see. We'll see if they can get Yeah, talk about the Padres. Yeah, yeah. So – Speaking of the Padres, uh, your buddy, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. said, I mean, he's still doing his thing, made a couple of big catches late to kind of, you know, keep up that sweep. I mean, the Padres have now won seven in a row. They might not be able to catch the Dodgers. It looks like the Dodgers are starting to kind of get together themselves. But I, I think the Padres are, are saying, hey, you know what? Look at, look at us. Don't, don't ignore us now. So, I'm I'm excited for look. We're kind of getting to the wire here. You know, we're about halfway through the season, like Jason just mentioned. So, this should be interesting. You know, the, the second half of the season of the season, this sort of you know crazy sprint season, if you will. 
you know who's not getting a lot of attention now? Manny Machado. And yeah. that's a great thing for him because the contract he signed before the start of last season. That's another quote-unquote shot at the White Sox right there. Of course, we we're better off without him. But um, I want to get Jason's thoughts on this. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., as you mentioned, like, you know, he's having a phenomenal last couple of weeks. I know people want to uh, put him up there as one of the top two, top three players in baseball. And, and I mentioned this to you, Lakino, in our last podcast last week. Uh, he should be up there as far as NL MVP is concerned, along with Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, who hit another home run in Sunday's game against Colorado. I, the, you can't ignore what Tatis Jr. has done. He's, he's the face of that Padres franchise right now. And I want to ask you, Jason, do you think, assuming that San Diego makes the playoffs, do you have Tatis as a serious contender for NL MVP next to Mookie Betts? Absolutely, 100%. And um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, going to humble brag here just a little bit. I mentioned this before uh, talking to you guys, but I, I had the pleasure watching uh, a few of these young players that are in the MLB now um, actually getting their shine and starting to mature and, and coming to their own. I had the pleasure of watching Fernando Tati Jr. Uh, in A-ball a couple of summers, a few summers ago, I should say. And, um, again, uh, you know, with, with him, Eloy Jimenez, uh, 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 Bobachet, Vlad Guerrero Jr. You could see the talent with these young players, and you know you're you're starting to see it play out on the major league level now. Um, Fernando Tati Jr. Super athletic, long, strong, built for the game of baseball. It's in his DNA, literally. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and again, he is he's absolutely a top MLB MVP candidate, in my opinion. Um, you know, you know. I love watching young teams emerge. You know, I mean, we're talking about the San Diego Padres here. We're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays here. Uh, I, I, I love watching these, these type of teams. Um, you know, can they make some noise in these playoffs? I think they have as, as good a shot as any team does in this sort of unique season. And, and again, I, I know the Dodgers look dominant. They've looked dominant the past few off seasons. But you guys know how I feel about the Dodgers. I mean, they, they, they've got to win it. And then until they win it, they haven't done anything. So even with Mookie Betts launching the ball out of the ballpark, um, it looks like Clayton Kershaw is back and healthy and rounding in the form. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to make the playoffs, no doubt about it. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get taken out uh, by a team like a San Diego Padres, who, who are playing really well right now. The way it's set up, though, I think that if – if they can kind of stay with the Dodgers, I think they'll be right there to kind of like, you know, get into that the, one of those wild card spots. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see if Tatis can kind of keep this up. I mean, that, that Padres team is looking like the Padres team that we all thought there would be last year when Manny Machado signed with them. So we'll see what happens. Should be very interesting, though, these sort of the second half of the season. All right, let's go to the gridiron now, the NFL gridiron. We'll, we'll start with uh, Earl Thomas being released by the Ravens. It, it, it's sort of one of those things where, look, John Harbaugh, you know, to his credit, said, look, I'm not saying nothing else about it. Yeah, we're at the same with that our team since, and I'm just going to leave it there. And we Look, we see, you know, Harbaugh is kind of like a pretty late, more the mellower Harbaugh brother, if you will, unlike his brother Jim. But, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that will give you, give you like a second or maybe a third chance. But it sound, I was telling a friend this um, over the weekend that it sounds like whatever happened with Earl Thomas was not the first time. Yeah. I'm sure it had been mm-hmm. building. I'm sure there were multiple incidents. So what do you guys think? And who do you who, – which team will – well, you know, can pick him up. I'll, I'll start this one. Um, 
it's not the first incident that, that Earl Thomas had, even with Baltimore. Um, I'd have to go, I have to check it again, but I think he got into it with a, another player, I think at a point last year uh, during the game on the sidelines. And, 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 you know, for a guy that is not the Earl Thomas of old, obviously due to injuries and age, um, this was a sort of easy decision for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, listen, he got, he got burned, I believe, on a, on a pivotal play in the playoffs last year in that, in that game against the Tennessee Titans. And he had been burned on a few big plays uh, last year in that defensive backfield. Um, so, you know, I, I fully well expect the Boston Ravens to try to recoup that $10 million uh, guaranteed salary because it seems in the, you know, sort of last few years, later half of Earl Thomas's career, uh, he's become more of a nuisance and hindrance than a help. Uh, we all know how we ended things, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I don't, I don't know if you guys need a refresher course on that, but um, as he was being carried out on a stretcher, you know, he decided to uh, give the one finger salute to the fans and coaches of Seattle. So unceremonious ending there, and again another unceremonious ending here with Baltimore. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where he goes from here. I mean, he's become a headache. And again, in, in, you know, he's not making the impact plays that he was making either two, three, four seasons ago. So um, I don't know where he ends up. I know before he signed with Baltimore, there was a, a rumor and, and rumblings about him maybe going to Dallas. I think that's been ramped up again. But if I'm Dallas, I wouldn't want that headache. I'm with you, Jason. If you're Dallas, you don't want that headache now because Earl Thomas wanted to be traded there before uh, the start, I believe, last season, uh, a couple of seasons ago, and, and, and it didn't happen. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure they have the room to bring him in now because money won't be uh, – it's an issue with the Cowboys with that salary cap, but you're not going to break a, the, the bank for, a, for an aging veteran. He still has something left, but this is not the Legion of Boom years from six, seven years ago. You know what team that's perfect for him? The Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> they take troublemakers all the time. <laughs> well, I don't know, dude. I don't think do they have the room money wise, though. I think right. that's another. I don't team. know. <laughs> well, and I think there's another team that, um, you know, I think I think it was Ian Rapport who said this, but uh, for Metal Network, the Ian, Ian Rapport, he said San Francisco. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, do you really want to deal with that kind of headache? No. Who's the DC there? I, I forgot. Is, is, it, is it Ken Norton still there, or who? Oh, oh Robert. Oh, it was Robert. Uh, something I forgot his name, but uh, he might be able to kind of keep him in check, though. But maybe. Who, who? Maybe. I mean, and I think they got the money, so who knows? But but we'll we'll see. Uh, as the Earl Thomas turns, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> for next for the next episode. Um, some uh, interesting uh, thing that happened over the weekend, and the Bears were – this involves the Bears, too, and a few other teams. Uh, apparently, there were 77 false positives. This was based on – goes back to some uh, – a lab in New Jersey. Apparently, I think, like, the Dolphins had, like, 13. I think the Bears had, like, 9. And the Bills had, like, about 11 or 12. And I think Josh Allen was one of those – was one of those players that got the false positives. And – what do you guys think? This is just this has just been insane. Like last twenty four hours for these teams. I think it comes. I no, think it comes down. To, okay, it comes down to common sense. If you're the NFL, would you use this lab? I don't think so. And heaven forbid, and I don't mean heaven forbid, if, if you test these players uh, two days before the game or the day before a game, and, and that happened, those players wouldn't be available to play. 
and which leads me to to see uh, who have been available to replace those players. So some of that you don't have a large uh, group of players to choose from to fill those those spots. And uh, see, this is the thing that it goes back to get back to college football again, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, you have to be prepared for any situation that happens. And it seems like the NFL may have uh, uh, dodged a bullet here. Hopefully they'll uh, change uh, places where they they get their lab test results. Uh, if, if they don't, this will, this will keep happening again, and this will become a bigger problem if uh, bigger stars like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or uh, Ezekiel Elliott, they have a false positive test and they're not available to play that, get, that day, and it comes back and it was a false positive. If you see a bigger names uh, on that list, then it's going to become a bigger issue. Hopefully, they can, the NFL can nip this in the bud. And because so far we haven't had a, an outbreak, thank goodness. Technically, they're not in a bubble. But if this starts to become a problem and bigger names are on that list, then you'll have a bigger problem on your hands. And they cannot afford to do that. I'm talking about the NFL. Yeah, um, you know, this, this this for me goes back to the point that we've been making about the NFL when dealing with this virus. Um, there, there still, to me, doesn't seem to be any sort of concrete plans. And the fact that you had 77 false positive tests from a lab that you contracted, that you contracted, is 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 more than alarming to me because, like you said, Sid, what happens if you get some false positives a day before the game? Whether they're a false positive or not, you have the responsibility to not play the players. So what happens then? Because, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I have not heard a single thing about what could happen for positives a day before the game. I have not heard anything about that. I have not heard not, not one sort of, you know, step A, step B, step C process. Um, so, again, for me, this, this just shows the, the, the lack of preparedness from the NFL, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's an if situation more so than a win situation. So we're just going to have to wait and see how they handle this thing. And you left some three weeks away from your season starting. Yep. Yeah, and this isn't a good look. And I, I think I saw somewhere where they are going to have the players test on Thursday or Friday. That way, in case they those positives are false, they can kind of like, okay, let's have another test and see if, you know, if it comes on negative, then we're like, okay, maybe something was up. So hopefully they, they only have three weeks left till the season starts. So hopefully they can get this together here because I, I think this is the last thing you, you need if you're the NFL. You don't need to have this sort of news coming out the out the pipe because, you know, you're seeing what Chase Young's doing over at, over at Washington camp. You're, you're seeing everything else that's been that's been happening. So – you know, Kyler Murray's looking really good. So it, it's it's sort of like one of those things where this is the last thing you want if you're if you're the NFL. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I I'm hoping that this this lab, you know, they don't use this particular lab and this you know, I guess apparently they had a bad batch of tests test kits or something. I guess that's the that's their what they're saying. So we'll see. But I, I just think that right now if you're the NFL, you're looking at like, okay, let let's let's not do this now. <laughs> All right. Um, and anything else NFL-wise that got, you know, anything you guys have seen in camp or anything else you've seen, like, off the field that, you know, to go see your fancy before we move on? I, I will say that I will say this for the NFL preseason. You know, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I, a little bit, just a little bit. I kind 
haven't missed it this year. Of course, we all know why, but it, this goes back to the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm kind of sick of hearing about this quarterback battle, and I, I, this is why I missed the preseason for this year. We would have seen the uh, fair competition handled on the field. Now, this is what I have to say about it, and I, hopefully this is the last time I, I, I say this. Mitchell Trubisky will be your starter, folks, whether you like it or not. We all know that Matt Nagy's job is on the line. GM Ryan Pace's job is on the line. And to get everything out of Mitchell Trubisky to see if he's the answer or not moving forward, you have to start him. Yes, they brought in Nick Foles. He may be better than Trubisky at this point in time. But to get everything out of Trubisky, he's going to be your starter in week one, less than three weeks uh, from uh, – uh, Sunday at Detroit for your season opener. I know that there's a lack of storylines because of the pandemic situation and the lack of uh, of preseason games. There are no preseason games, but I'm kind of sick of hearing about this quarterback battle, who looked good in practice, who who doesn't. Just get me to the season, please. (laughs) Jason? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of right there with what you said. you know, obviously we don't have preseason games to, to sort of get, you know, a, a handle on it on the field as far as this competition goes. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think Trubisky is going to be the starter at least week one. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, they, you know, they, they've got a competing team. So, um, you know, if, if Matt Nagy knows what's good for him, he's, he needs to have a short leash on Trubisky if he starts to struggle. Um, also, I want to give, you know, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers and, and uh, you know, wish him good luck on his recovery to Ron Rivera. Obviously, a, yes. a former Bear here in Chicago, uh, now the coach for the team in Washington, uh, you know, made public his, his cancer diagnosis. So, uh, you know, we, we just wish him the best and a, and a speedy recovery. You know, in this already challenging season, it's going to be even more challenging for him. Yeah, and they got and the good news is that if if it if you know it gets to a point where he can't he isn't be able to coach for the moment, they got Jack Del Rio there who's a veteran yeah. NFL coach, defensive guy, so that that'll he can, he'll keep things on on track. And they're 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 they're, they're like their personalities are very similar, so it won't be no big change for them. So you know, of course, you know thoughts and prayers to you know Ron Rivera and get well soon. Yes, get well soon, coach. All right. Um, okay, college football. Now, the AP has released their um, their preseason top twenty-five a couple of hours ago, and um, it's a little weird that they would have released the re- release list knowing that about half these teams will not be playing in the fall. <laughs> I find it a little bit weird. I mean, Ohio State's number two behind Clemson, and that's not a big surprise that Clemson's number one. But you know, Ohio State's number two, and they're not going to be playing. Like, like, you know what? Let, let me shut up. I mean, I, I said on Twitter, let, let me just shut up because I like, okay, y'all, y'all want to go ahead and, and say like, okay, we're still going to play, and okay, whatever. But all right, let me. I'll let you guys have the floor on this one. I'm, 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 I'm done. Like, uh, let me, let me go. Good night, everybody. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> so, go ahead. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, you know, two of of the Power Five conferences aren't playing, so I mean, that's you know, why do this? I just don't know why why you do this. Um, I mean, I don't have a reaction to it because of that. You know, we're not going to see the competition on the field play out, um, so I, I don't know how you could even really come up with an accurate assessment of how these teams are unless they're 
I, I don't know. I don't know how they came up with this thing, but um, it, 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 it's just so weird because, again, you know, a lot of these teams aren't going to be playing this year. So, you know, what happens then? I mean, do you, do you drop Ohio State out of the top 25 because they're not going to play? I mean, do you drop Penn State out of the top 10 because they're not playing? I mean, I do, you know, we, we've, we've gone in on the NCAA enough in the past few weeks. Um, but you know, this is just no, you know, more fuel to the fire. I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It's not really clownish, but I mean, it's it's not really accurate either. This is a classic egg on their face and they're trying to recover and make a, 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 put on a good face, put on a happy face, but <laughs> I'll be surprised if the season gets going. Like you mentioned, Jason, two of the, the top five power conferences are not going to play. How are you going to determine a national champion, let alone have fans in the stands, which some of these schools are still talking about? I, I, I don't know what else to say. You pretty much said it all, Jason. I, this is a classic ache on your face, and heaven forbid that, that an outbreak uh, – comes out through uh, one of the, just one team. If it happens, you probably gonna have to shut the whole season down. I, and you know me, I'm not Mr. Negative. I'm not trying to put fear into people's heads, but let's be realistic here. <laughs> it, it'll be a miracle if, if these Power 3 conferences uh, uh, finish the season, let alone start it, and you have a top 25 poll that, that, trying to draw up interest. This makes no sense. And, and, and let me say this before before you get in, Lakina. Okay. Shame. I, I, this is a personal thing for me, but and you know maybe you guys can chime in on this. I don't know if you talked about it within the, you know on the last podcast, but to me, shame on the people that are protesting or have a problem with some of these conferences not wanting to play these games. Shame on you. We're talking about a pandemic. We're talking about the health and safety of young men and women's lives here. Mm-hmm. We, we all want to see football. I think we're all in agreement of that. But you're, mm-hmm. you're mad because a conference chooses to ire on the side of safety rather than the side of uncertainty? I think some people need to really look in the mirror there. Well, and I've, and I've said this before. I, I mean, you, you, you had, like, Ohio State uh, – parents and Iowa parents and Nebraska parents actually traveling to Chicago where it the, the, the headquarters is closed by the way well let's let's also remember that I mean, the, <laughs> it's closed <laughs> there's nobody there so and we don't want Chirona. <laughs> exactly and uh, well and also even even before all that but uh I, I mean uh, okay yeah was there some miscommunication maybe there was but here, here's the thing. I mean, the vote was there. They voted, you know, these school presidents voted 14 to 2, you know, and he was just a messenger. So for people to say that, you know, well, it, it's, it's, you know, it's Commissioner Warren's fault. Well, no, you need to talk to your, your, your president, your school presidents. And two of those school presidents are actually doctors who actually specialize in these kind of things. And I'm sure their former colleagues have probably told them, look, the data doesn't look good. Brian Halen, Halen, who is the one of the top medical experts for the NCAA, said, "Look, we shouldn't be playing sports right now." So you're you're basically saying it's saying that, well, you know, I want my 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 kid to play. Well, I mean, look at that young man in Indiana that's having heart issues. There's yep. a, a young man, 
uh, a quarterback, I forgot his, the quarterback from uh, Georgia Southern, uh, I forgot his name, but he's also having heart. He said last week he's having heart issues. So do you really think you want to risk these athletes' lives? I don't think so. I would rather, like, you do that than – I'd rather be, be cautious. And, like, everyone said, well, they should, they should do it in the bubble. They can do it in, in this. Well, I mean, look, North Carolina uh, – what's another school? Um, crap, what's another school? That, that, Michigan State. Michigan State, yep, they're there. They're, they've decided to do uh, remote learning, so – and other schools have done it too, so. Yeah, Notre Dame too. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame after, like, two weeks. I mean, you know, c- come on. I mean, I don't – I don't understand what, what more can you guys do. I mean, look, if y'all want to try and play, go ahead. I'll, I'll watch, but the, the content is not going to be very good. And you, you probably are going to have some issues where you guess some states are going to be a little more restrictive than others. You're going to bring it, – it's just, it's just crazy. Also, what's crazy, too, and I don't know if we get into this, but uh, Nebraska tried to uh, go join one of these other power yeah. uh, conferences because they wanted to play. I heard Michael Wilbon, who's the uh, from ESPN, who's also on the board of trustees at Northwestern, his alma mater. He said, "If you want to, with regards to Nebraska, if you want to leave, go ahead. Just give us our fifty-two million dollars back to uh, to the Big Ten. Of course, we all know it comes down to money, and Nebraska does not want to do that. Oh no! Let's keep but, that fifty-two million dollars in our pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the fact that that was even an outside thought is is kind of idiotic in the first place. <laughs> I mean, look, I love the Nebraska program, too, but when's the last time y'all have actually been good, unfortunately? Yeah. So, I, I'm Not like, it, it, yeah, I mean, look, I, I look, I mean, it, it's sort of like, there, there seems to be some type, there, there should have been uniformity. We've been saying this for months since we started doing this. There should have been uniformity mm-hmm. from the word go. Someone from this should have said, okay, you know what, look, we're going to play this by ear. You know, we'll do a month, every two weeks, you know, we'll say, look, if it doesn't look good, then we'll cancel. And you're looking at what they're, if you, I don't know if you guys have heard, but, or if you guys were listening to or watching this have heard that, you know, basketball, the college hoops, at least they're being proactive. They're mm-hmm. being like, look, okay, mm-hmm. if we have to do a bubble, then we can do, maybe do like two sites or whatever, have 32 teams in one end, another end. And, you know, at least they're talking about doing stuff because they're already saying that they may not, they may not start till like January. Yeah, but, but, you know, you, you see plans being made, right? You see yep. some sort of, direction or you know you see some sort of direction you know from from ncaa basketball and again it's it's been lacking from football and it's really disappointing yeah from the outside looking in it seems like we talked about this with the nfl too it seems like from the outside as an outside looking in uh you've been talking uh being lax like days ago about this and you couldn't come up with multiple plans and um, figuring out every possible situation if this happened oh we we can do this. I know this is a, you know, like a bad term, a, a trial run because we haven't gone through this uh, pandemic, like anything like this before. So I get it from that standpoint. But as an outsider looking in, it seems like you weren't prepared. It's just like, let's go on the wing of the prairie and hope that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And those, those type, the types of plans usually never work. He's just going in with uh, with, with blind folders on. It just doesn't work. Well, and you look at the high school aspect of it too. I mean, I know here in Illinois, they're going to delay their football season, a lot, all their all their fall sports season until the spring. <laughs> and you know, you're seeing other states like Pennsylvania. They've said that they're going to give it a go, and then like I think Georgia's, you know, their high schools are saying they're going to give it a go. I mean, look, 
I, you you guys want a chance to go ahead, but if God forbid, <laughs> I guess they're I guess they're betting on like okay, we're all everyone's traveling regionally, so maybe it won't be so bad. But what if in one area it's a lot? You know, like I said a few minutes ago, what if one area is a little more restrictive than the another area, which is more you know free flowing and loose mm-hmm. loose with everything? So. If, if God forbid someone catches something, I mean, that that's like, you might as well just forget it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better, any, you know, myself. I mean, again, I think we're looking at a, again, I don't, I don't want to put fear in, in anybody's heads either, you know, but I, I think we're looking at a, a win situation more so than an if situation when it comes to dealing with this virus. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, it, look, it'll be interesting. You know, again, we've been we've been talking about it for weeks and months. You know, since we started doing this, and I mean, it, it's sort of like they're they're trying to like, okay, we'll just play it by ear and we'll just do it. But uh, it just seems like I think they're just look if they if they pull it off, it, look, look, more power to them. But if they don't look, we're like like you guys have been saying, we're not doom and gloom. We're not one of those people. Oh, you guys are gonna play. But at the same time, though, you gotta be realistic here. So. We'll see. All right. Um, anything else? Got a few more minutes left. Oh yes, I need you guys to help me make a list. Okay. Um, of course, uh, there was there was a, a talk about the when should the NBA season start the 2020-2021 season. Of course, Commissioner Adam Silver came out and said that December first is probably too soon. They want to give time to, to for a vaccine. And he wants fans in the stands, and, and why not? And that's how all these professional leagues and colleges make their, make their money. I think it's safe to say that there won't be an 82-game season next year. I think they'll start between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Maybe, heaven forbid, and I do mean heaven forbid this pandemic gets any worse, they'll probably start on Martin Luther King Day, uh, which is the third Monday in January. But I, I think you can start – uh, next season between Christmas and New Year's, you could probably use the 2012 model, which they had a 66 game season. Of course, we were coming off of a, of a lockout then. Of course, 1999, which was terrible, they fit in 50 games and they're really trying to rush the season off, off of another lockout. But I think you can probably safely say you could probably do between 65, maybe 70 games. And the reason the Olympics were postponed this year until next summer, and we all know that the NBA wants to be involved. And I thought of, a, of a, the players that potentially can play next year. Assuming they have a 65 or 70 game season, and your playoffs will end no later than June 20th, June 21st. I, I figure uh, here's the potential players that could play in the Olympics next year, especially based off the success of the bubble. In the in the star young stars that could potentially play in Japan, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, possibly Anthony Davis. I know some people say LeBron James, but I think he's older now. He's been through he's it play. a couple of times. I, I doubt and it. And you're correct, Jason. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I said Anthony Davis, um, Steph Curry. He he's still young enough. He can do it one more time. Clay Thompson of the Warriors. Also, I forgot who else was on that uh, list. Maybe Kevin Durant because he missed all of this past season, so he can give it a go one more time. I would say Kyrie, but I don't think he's going to do it. Plus, he's off in his own little world, so I don't think he's going to do it. So 
Uh, if you guys can add any more names of young stars that could do it, uh, I'm all for it, but I've counted up at least five or six names that could do it. Also, don't forget John Morant of Memphis. I can see him being on the Olympic team next summer. Uh, with it being guard heavy, I think it'll probably reduce his chances a little bit. Uh, but I think you can put a lock in for Zion Williamson. Uh, he's, he's too much of a box office, and he's too good to, to not be on this team. So I, I Will he be in shape, though? That's my question. Will he be in shape? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I think so. I mean, I think so. You know, I mean, uh, you know, again, we're coming Maybe up. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's see who else could probably be a part of that on the U.S. side. I, you said Kyrie. You think, uh, Donovan, think there's a room for Donovan Mitchell in there somewhere? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's guard heavy, man. You, yeah, that's, oh, why, that's why I was having so, to say his name, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think you still got to put his name in there. You got to have James Harden on that team, I think. Um, but, Kawhi? But yeah, I mean, maybe Kawhi, maybe? You play. You can play I'm iffy. Two I'm iffy on Kawhi. Yeah, I'm iffy only because only because of the stage of his career. I, he, okay. he, he's kind of. I, I think he's still in peak, but he's kind of coming on the other side of his peak a little bit. I think he's still there though. So, but I. I mean, I think it would probably just depend on how he feels. I, he's kind of a mercurial figure right. uh, when it comes <laughs> to the off season. So we'll see. But I mean, if he wants to play, I'm sure he'll have a spot. Uh... I just thought of. A... I just thought of another name. I know it's guard heavy, but I'm assuming that a couple of these people may not be interested. But how about Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah. He'd be, I think he'd be interested. I think he'd be interested in playing, I think, for the Olympics. Absolutely. I think he will. I think he would like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, maybe Devin Booker, maybe? But like you said, it's, it's yeah, I mentioned him. Yeah. It's guard heavy, though, like you said, Jason. So I don't, he may, there may not be no room for him, but, you know. Does Zach Levine get consideration, you think? I think he does if most of your stars are not interested. He would be in that second tier, third tier group. I kind of, his name did pop in my head, but everybody in their mama, as the kids would say, will have yeah. to uh, back out. <laughs> That's the only way he'll get consideration. Yeah. He'll definitely, I would assume, get the call to the camp. I would assume. He'll mm-hmm. definitely get the invite call, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's about okay. Well, Jamal Jamal Moore is Canadian, so you gotta think he'll right. probably want to play for the for Canada. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's about it. Maybe Jason Tatum, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, I mean, if he, you know, I I would almost put him as a lock. I mean, if you know he, you know, he can he can play the yeah. forward. So I would kind of almost put him as a lock. I think he was part of the last. Yeah, I think he was part of the last USA team that went overseas to for that. I forgot that tournament. It wasn't for the Olympics, but it was FIBA. Uh, it was him, Jalen Brown, and some of the other guys too. So I think, I think Kyle Kuzma was part of that group too. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about from a couple of years ago. I, I agree with you, Jason. That Jason Tatum will probably be a lock. I'm trying to think. Wait, you think Kyle Lowry gets a, gets a shot? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, again, I think he'll get the invite. You know, I think I think right. you know, all these guys will definitely. And he's older now too. Right, right. Um, but again, I mean, there's just there's so many guards. There's so many guards. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They don't have a lot of big men, so they're probably gonna need like maybe 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 if AD's interested, maybe have him play like to be the in the more of the center position. We'll 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 see. But yeah, look, I mean, it's a good problem to have with the U.S. I mean, if the the schedule kind of like coincides with everything else, I'm sure they're gonna want to like 
end the season like as early as possible to get those guys, you know, ready and you know have given them enough rest to sort of get them ready for the Olympics. So we'll see. I mean, do you think Carmelo will probably want to? I'm sure he's going to want to try and <laughs> do it again. He's kind of like the leader, I guess. <laughs> Remember, before this pandemic, the uh, USA Basketball told him, well, we don't need you. Of yeah. course, this is before he got picked up by Portland, but uh, he, he'll probably be on that exact Levine list. Like, if we need you, uh, because most of the big-time stars don't, don't want to participate, we'll give you a call before. Right now, uh, no. Hmm. Well, yeah, but most of your big guys are foreign players, so uh, yeah. we kind of have a problem here to you in the U.S. as far as a uh, lack of uh, big men and swing guys outside of Anthony Davis. That's why I said maybe Zion will get it. Will get the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah, all because of it. Yeah, because of that. So that that that's that's why. That's just my. <laughs> I don't know. I know Jason feels this way too, but I don't, that's just me. But yeah, I think that's why he'll probably get the invite because they don't have they don't have the big men and all all you know Jokic and Donkic and those guys. They all play for their whole mm -hmm. country. So that's yeah. not good. That's not gonna work. So. All right, real quick before we wrap up here, uh, congratulations to Bayern Munich who won yeah. their eighth Champions League title. They're the first to go undefeated from start to finish, and that was that's crazy that they they were, they were able to do that. You know, with everything, you know, they had to stop for like three months, and they came back and didn't didn't you know couldn't get the big game to to, to win the Bundesliga title. But look, I mean, Lewandowski, I mean, he is one of the top players in the in the in the world soccer wise. So he's been great. Alfonso Davies, if, if you haven't heard his story, I mean, you know, was born in Ghana, his family immigrated to Canada was, you know, there was a lot of buzz about him. You know, when he started playing for the Canadian national junior Canadian national team, ended up going to Bayern Munich in his first year, they ended up winning the, you, one of the top, the top uh, titles in Europe. So rest to them and, you know, the totally deserving, totally worthy of the champions. Great. Congratulations. Uh, yep. Also, Dustin Johnson. What a poor performance by him at the Northern Trust. 30 under. I thought that was a misprint when I saw it. Like, yeah. I, thought, like, I literally, I've never seen a golf score that low. I've, I've never. <laughs> well, look, he shot a 60, which was, wasn't even, which wasn't even like the top score. So yeah. somebody else scored a 59, but he was able to kind of dominate, you know, over the weekend and was able to win. I think this is the second or third Northern Trust title open title so I, I mean and also tiger didn't have a didn't have a good round but he said he misses the fans being you know being in the gallery so you saw that's kind of weird coming from him but you know he said he misses the fans hey we're all missing the fans here i mean it's part of you know yep. it's part of why we like it all right any other closing thoughts uh, just looking forward to the NBA playoffs as we're the first round action is starting to wind down and we're getting to the second round. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, congr congratulations to the Vancouver Canucks. I, I think uh, Rachel Kopchek, uh, our guest from the last podcast last yeah. week, I think she predicted it if memory serves. Uh, mm -hmm. Vancouver took out the St. Louis Blues, so we'll have a new champion in the NHL this year. I know the second round started off on Saturday. I believe Dallas beat Colorado in game one. Of course, uh, Boston and Tampa. I know uh, Tampa, uh, I think, lost game one. But we'll, we'll see if this is the year for them to capture a cup. So uh, we all know that things can get great, crazy in a normal year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But 
I think things could get a little bit crazier now that we're into the second round. She also said that Islanders Flyers uh, series should be really good. That'll be very entertaining. That's a lot of yeah. orange. It's a lot of orange, so we'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Which team in orange will will win it? Um, you know that Colorado. I think Dallas will do enough to kind of get back. Well, Colorado, I should say, but because mm-hmm. I think that 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 team's to you know that's a very like speedy team. So we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, Vegas just annihilated the Canucks a couple of nights back. You know, beating the five nothing. But we'll see. I mean, we're we're in the, we're in the semifinals, so. Should be fun. JC, you got anything, you got anything to add? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to the continuation of uh, playoff basketball. Uh, looks like Orlando and Milwaukee are in a tight one at this point in time. Uh, we'll see who's able to pull away and win that. Uh, and the Cubs, you know, they, they've got the Tigers, so hopefully they can regain some confidence after kind of taking a bit of a beating over the weekend. So uh, we'll see what they're able to do there. Again, they've got Detroit. Um, again, you know, and the Sox are, are looking to stay hot. So, you know, I'm looking, looking forward to, to more sports over the weekend. Yeah, hopefully the Sox, oh, you got to like Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully you're the Sox, as I mentioned before, earlier in this segment, you you have a light schedule this week. Uh, two off days this week in between the mini two-game series against Pittsburgh here in Chicago before you take on Kansas City uh, this uh, upcoming weekend. Before the big series on the road in Minnesota next week, so you have a chance to establish it in yourself again. Uh, the the winnings, the seven-game winning streak was snapped. Uh, this is a chance to get yourself back on track. And if you're a serious playoff team, you have to take care of business right now. Yeah, both teams yeah. got got light schedules this week, so mm-hmm. they should be able to kind of like I, like I said earlier, they should be able to kind of like get back into you know the Cubs should be able to get back into the groove, and I think the White Sox should be able to get back into the groove because I think. Both teams, I think, are right there in the cusp of making the playoffs, I think. All right. You follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter, at Keenan underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow so yours truly. Reason underscore on the Twitter, and you can uh, always follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI. Also, sometime this week, uh, look for a new episode of The Go Route with me and our good friend Derek Tate of the Fantasy Focus crew. Uh, probably going to start to get into some divisional previews here, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting into that next week, too, here on Second City. Yeah. You can follow yours truly, SidKid80, on Twitter and Instagram, at SidKid80, once again, at SidKid80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can read all of my articles at wearerigoradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L, radio.com. And you can download this podcast along with our other Fabulous programming from We Are Regal Radio, uh, wherever you download your podcast. And we also are on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app. Just type in War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can access our uh, fabulous programming, including Second City Sports. And also, we're also on YouTube as well. So you, you can you know, look up W-A-R-R on Anchor. All of our previous episodes, we've interviewed some great people, you know, over the months since we started doing this. So check it out and tell your friends to subscribe. Put on a happy face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. You guys stay, you guys stay cool out there. It's going to be hot all this week in the nineties. And also, um, our, our, you know, hanging there to also to our good friends in the Gulf coast. Again, not one, but two tropical storms that are heading in that direction. So 
if you're if you got relatives in that area, tell them to get out of the storm or come up north and you know hope they can get out of the eyes of that storm because <laughs> they don't look too bad, but you want to get away from getting away of the path. Oh, Lakina, real quick, I want to ask Jason, uh, 45 seconds or less, uh, what did you think about uh, the Tom Brenneman situation? Did Fox Sports uh, do the right thing here? Yes. Yes, they did. Um, real simple. Tom Brenneman, I mean, listen, I know I know you guys are around, you know, we're all around the same age. So you, we all have a history with Tom Brenneman, obviously doing cuts games here in Chicago as well. Um, but he's got to be better than that. He's been in this business way too long. You know, he's got to be better than that. They did the right thing, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and on that note for Jason and Sid, I'm Lakeen. This has been Second C Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. See you next time. Holla! <laughs>